happens to these animals, may it happen to me. God was putting himself on the threat of annihilation. Did y'all know that? That's all them sacrifices is about. God was saying, if I don't fulfill my promise to Israel, what happens to these animals, may it happen to me. How many of y'all know God can't go nowhere? When God says, I am for you. says, I'm a who makes things become. David said, breathe unto me, O Lord, the breath of life. Sometimes we, we lose our breath in life. Amen. You run hard. You do things. You, you engage. You just do the business of life. And sometimes we run out of breath. And there's moments when Yahweh steps in and breathes life into us. And then last week we talked about <clears throat> glory. Glory is what God consists of. Humans are made of organic materials, all kind of chemicals. And you know, y'all remember the periodic chart to chemistry? How many are there now? Come on, come on, biology students, chemistry students. There's a whole bunch of them, right? Oxygen, carbon. Einsteinium. And I think since Black Panther came out, they done put vibranium on that joker. <laughs> Humans are made up, we consist of all kinds of different things, right? Molecules, organic materials, all that breath, emotions, intentions, desire, will, all kind of stuff that's in us. But the, the, the word that used to describe what God is made of in Scripture is glory. Now you, now you know what it means now when you're in church and you sing glory. It's the same thing as saying, God, you're here. It's the essence of God. And we talked about how in church culture we want to see the glory. But we talked about there's seasons when the only thing you can see, you can't see nothing else. We pray that you hear the glory. who God is. But how do we cultivate an environment that encounters this kind of Yahweh, this kind of God? And so this story today, briefly, we're going to jump into another encounter of Yahweh, Genesis chapter 32. And this is the story of Jacob. You may be familiar uh, with this story. I'm just going to share a few things from this. I don't have a whole lot to say. <clears throat> I've heard it speak for itself, uh, but it's one of those fascinating stories. And if you know the story of Jacob, y'all know who Jacob is, right? You know, in Scripture, it talks about uh, when oftentimes in, in the Old Testament, especially in the book of, uh, well, throughout the whole Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, it talks about God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've heard this before, right? Abraham was that patriarch. They call him the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the father of Isaac. I'm thinking about KRS one right now. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob became Israel. Right? And so Jacob was, y'all know the story of Abraham. He was an aged man, and uh, God set him aside, promised him and his wife Sarah that they would have a child. They laughed. Sarah laughed. He said, well, since you laughed, we're going to call your son laughter. His name became Isaac. 
that Isaac grew up, became a man, he had a family, and one of his, he had two sons, in particular he had two twins, Esau and Jacob. And, and when Esau and Jacob were in the womb, uh, Esau was always being grabbed by the heel by Jacob. Jacob's name means grabber. Jacob's name means deceiver. It means the clever one. He's always scheming. And so they're born. And if you know the story, uh, Jacob deceives Isaac into giving Esau's blessing. Because Isaac became blind. He became old in years. He became blind. He couldn't see. And so Jacob, deceiver, the grabber, because he's grabbing at the other people's stuff, deceives his dad to, to give Esau, his brother, his twin brother, his blessing. This caused a great rift between Jacob and Esau. And you know the story of Jacob? I get it, if you get a chance, read the story of Jacob. Is a very powerful story of this very, uh, very human man. And that's one of the things I love about Scripture, right? <clears throat> In the ancient world, you see all these different sacred religious books. And the, one of the unique things about the Bible is these people who are heroes in the Bible are profoundly human. They're liars. They're murderers. They're schemers. They're oppressors. But somehow God comes into their lives and shifts things. Sometimes. Amen. So today, what's happening in our passage this morning, I want to give you some context here. Jacob's at a place where he's beginning to realize he ain't got nowhere else to go. So he realized the only place he really got left to go is to go back to his brother Esau. And so Jacob begins to plan. This is my own little version. Sometimes I make a TV show scene. Jacob's like, man, I got to figure out where I can't go back to my father-in-law because he didn't, you know, he didn't got me. I can't go back there. There's a dead end there. <clears throat> Esau's still mad at me. Matter of fact, Esau done put a hit out on me because I done took some stuff from him. I done took his blessings. But I ain't got nowhere else to go but to family. And so Jacob begins to plot. Suppose I bribe him in an indirect way. I'll send all my, some animals. I'll even send my wives and my kids. They had multiple wives back then. And some people still do today. And so he sent, he sent his wives, his children, and everybody ahead of him. Because the plan is, to get back in good graces with Esau. So hopefully, he's hoping that maybe Esau will open up a little bit. Maybe he'll see the bride. Maybe he'll see that Jacob was trying to bless him back. Jacob really ain't interested in being right with his brother. He just wants some place to go. How many of y'all know folk like that? How many of y'all done done that? You know, you got something that you're trying to do, trying to make something right with somebody, but you really got an ulterior motive. Jacob has an ulterior motive. And so here it is. That night, Genesis 32, verse 22, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, 
and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, which is a river, the crooked river. That's what it means, the crooked uh, river. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Mm. Mm. Y'all see that? How many of you are afraid to be alone? Don't, don't raise your hand. You may not be aware of it yet. <laughs> right? I'm one of them people. Right? Because, you know, I was reading uh, the Austrian or German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche this week. And he talks about how oftentimes people are rarely alone to themselves. And he's talking specifically about men and how we leave our mothers and our fathers or our mother or our father, depending upon the situation, we leave them and we jump right into something else. We start making family and we start having children and having relationships and having responsibilities. And there's, there's moments in our own modern culture where we are, there's very few moments when we actually spend alone time with ourselves. And so one of the things that Nietzsche was talking about, that he was mourning, that he was grieving about modern society, deciding which we live in, there are very few instances where you can be in solitude with yourself and your God for seasons. Why? Because when you are alone, you got to deal with yourself. But when you always dealing with other people, you got to deal with other people's stuff. You ain't got time to be introspective. You ain't got time to name the, 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 the weaknesses and strengths in your own self. You don't got time to, to figure out how you are to be a gift, how the gifts that are in you. You don't have time to recognize the gifts that are in you. And you don't have time to recognize how painfully uh, human that you really are. Jacob is alone now. He got to deal with himself. And in the next half of the verse, verse 24, so Jacob was left alone. And a man, it says, wrestled with him till daybreak. It says a man initially. That's what Jacob sees. He's, he sees himself wrestling with a man. And so those of us who are the privileged reader, we understand that this is not just a man, but all the while, he is wrestling Yahweh. I don't understand how the metaphysics work out with that. Don't ask me. I don't know. All I know is it says he wrestled Yahweh. Anyway, so... And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So, y'all, they wrestling all night alone. Jacob is alone now. And he's wrestling all night. How many of you ever wrestled before? Wrestle? Anybody wrestled? Right? Well, how about, like, you ever got into a fight? Right? I remember the last fight I got into. I was a minister, y'all. I was a young minister, and 
and I was I was younger. I was in my late twenties. You know, haven't been in a fight since then. At least not physically. You know, been in spiritual fights, things like that. You know, but I used to, I used to have a bad temper, y'all. Right? I used to have a really bad temper, and like I hate to lose. Right? I still don't like losing. Right? I mean, I was at a point. I was playing uh, chess with uh with Malachi last week when the power was out. Uh, Mara and and Scoot and Malachi came down, and we ended up playing chess out there in the cafe area. And I was telling Malachi, I said, Malachi, you know, it's a time, man. See, he was, he was beating me, y'all. He was, he was getting my pieces, right? He took, he took my queen early on in the chess game. And I was like, this little brother took my queen. What am I going to do? And, I, and I'm going to tell him, Malachi, I said, Malachi, man, it'll be a time, man. I probably took this board and threw it in the trash. <laughs> right? As I remember one time, the last fight I got into, I got into an argument with my brother, my then brother-in-law, my first marriage. And we were at the kitchen table. He had this way to just get under your skin. You know, some people, you tell yourself in advance, I am not going to let them get to me. You know what I'm talking about? This brother had the spiritual gift of getting under people's skin. That was his spiritual gift. Like, he was graced by God. To get under people's skin. And so we were all at the kitchen table eating dinner, whatever, and we got into this argument. He baited me, he got me, he drew me into this stupid argument. And next thing you know, I, I, I jump over the kitchen table and I'm like choking him. <laughs> and it was like a fight, y'all. We were wrestling, I try to remember wrestle moves and I started, started going flashback, WWF, they call it WWE now. And if you if you ever been in a brawl with somebody, one-on-one, it, 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 don't, it never play out like you do in your head. Because I was out of shape. And so if you ever got into a brawl with somebody wrestling, it's like in the first two or three minutes, you're like... Right, and he over there on the ground. We both out of shape. So I go over there, kick him, walk back. The Bible says Jacob wrestled God all night. That brother had to be exhausted. That brother had to be exhausted. Because I've been exhausted the first three minutes. Keep it real now. Y'all know y'all good. All right, I'll give y'all some of y'all grace. Y'all, seven minutes, maybe, some of y'all. I don't know, Mike. You probably you got an hour. Three minutes? Okay. I can see Mike. I can see you MMA, man. And so, so God, so jo- Jacob wrestles with this being, this man, all night. And when the man saw God, we know it's God, but, you know, Jacob is is the man. Uh, When the man saw that, he could not overpower Jacob. Isn't that interesting? When Yahweh saw that he could not overpower Jacob, God could not overpower Jacob. Do you realize that some of you, God has been wrestling with you, but God can't overpower you? Because you determine in your own flesh to do whatever it is you want to do. 
or believe about yourself that you want to believe. God will not overpower you. Man saw that he could not overpower him. If you can just imagine that, they're wrestling, they're tussling with each other. And this man, and Yahweh, he's like, man, I ain't going This dude is determined. He is the grabber. He is the clever one. He is the deceptive one. He is bent on getting his blessing to get his stuff because he had this elaborate plan. And you're actually in the way this man, because the thing is, this man shows up unbidded, right? Uh, Jacob does not ask this man to show up. Jacob has a plan to get back into good graces with his brother, maybe to plot even further to take his stuff again, possibly. So this man is kind of like an interruption in his life. And you see, God's like, man, this dude is determined to be Jacob. (laughs) This is who he is. And he's powerful in it. And so what does God do? Because Jacob, you know, he's a man of his times. He's wealthy. His name is important. He wants to extend his influence and power in the world. And so what does God do? It's almost like God cheated. What happens? When the man saw that he could not overpower him, let's put Yahweh in there. When Yahweh saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. See, imagine God wrestling with Jacob, and God, and so the thing is, the King James and the English translations are real nice. Y'all want the real Hebrew? Got a child in there. Stand up. So the market. Good to see you, brother. Amen. So when they were wrestling, right, when they were wrestling, God didn't do this right here. God didn't. Like, put your hands up. He didn't, like, do that. What he did was he went like this. Oh. <laughs> Let me do it again. God went like that. Do y'all see what I did? Because if you think about it, in, in, the, in the Hebrew, it says it knocked his hip out of joint. You can only knock a hip out of joint from the inside blow. So he kicked them where it really hurt. You got to understand the symbolic nature of how God hit Jacob. Jacob, when he, where he hit Jacob, and see, in the Jewish world, of a man were generations, was his life, was his purpose, was his direction, where everything that he was made to be in this world. And so when God kicked them or, or touched them right there, He hit him where it hurt. Then what happens? That could have ended Jacob's life. That could have ended the promise. He could have became infertile. He hit him in the groin area. 
And so what happens? So even after he kicked Jacob, where it hurts, Jacob still did not let go. Uh. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. So, so God said, let me go before daybreak. It's interesting. We always say um, in church culture and bumper stickers, let go and let God. It's like Jacob is telling us, hold on and wrestle God. You got you to create one of them signs. You know, stay calm, keep calm, carry on. Right, we got to create a sign that says, hold on, wrestle God. See, Jacob ain't saying let go and let God. Now, God is saying let go. <laughs> man, let me go, man. He probably said, I'm going to kick you again. You know? And so he's wrestling with God. He won't let go. You know, and, 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 and so to be more linguistically, uh, to speak in the unique linguistic ways in which we speak in this culture, in this context here, Roland Cannell, he wrestling God. Wrestling God, and he will not let go. And so God says, let me go, man, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, here's the thing, y'all. See, and see, in church, we say, man, hold on to God so, so he can bless us. But you miss the point here, some of us. When, when, see, the reason why Jacob is holding on, he's holding on for bad motivation. Because he's a grabber. He grabbed onto his brother in the womb and wouldn't let go. When they pulled him out the womb, he still held on to his brother when he pulled him out the womb. So he won't let go until he gets what he wants. So here it is again. Jacob done grabbed somebody. He don't know who he done grabbed. But he ain't letting go. He says, but I ain't letting you go until you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Mm. You don't think God know what his name is? God would ask you your name to see what you're going to say. Did you catch that? God will ask you your name to see what you're going to say. And then what does he say? What is your name? I am Jacob. I'm the grabber. I'm the deceiver. I'm the, the clever one. The scheming one. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. See, one of the things about wrestling with God is 
even when your intention is wrong, even when your motivation ain't right in life and seizes in your life, even when you ain't right and you are going through the struggle and you are wrestling with God, guess what? And you are going through pain, guess what? Even in the pain, God will give you a new name. Yahweh will give us a new name in our pain. We go in with one name. And by name, you see, in the ancient world, names are very powerful. Names spoke to who you were, your most basic identity, your purpose, your direction in life, who you are, who you will be, what kind of person you will be. Your name was tied to your destiny, your purpose, your fate. Your name was tied to your very person and being. And so when God tells as he's wrestling with God, as Jacob is wrestling with Yahweh, Yahweh is saying, yes, that's what you name yourself, but guess what? I'm about to give you a new name. Some of you right now are wrestling with God. You have a name going into the battle, into the season in which you're in, but guess what? God is trying to give you a new name in your pain, in your struggle. Sometimes it's things that we've chosen to fall into. And sometimes it's things that just happen to us for whatever reason. So you go into the struggle and say, God, you're trying to give me a new name. And then what happens? Your name will be no longer Jacob, the deceiver, the grabber, the wrestler, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Mm. Israel means one who wrestles with God. Did you know that? The nation of Israel was named after this man. Israel means one who struggles with God. One who wrestles, wrestles with God. And so God now tells him, I'm naming you this because you wrestled with me. And we live in a culture, especially religious culture, where we're told that we're not to question or we're not to wrestle with God. But actually, that's probably the most profound spiritual thing you could do in your life is to get into a wrestling match with God. I can always tell folks who don't wrestle with God. There's a genuineness about them. There's an authenticity. They ain't putting no airs. Because they've been broke down. Just a moment of transparency. I remember some of y'all know I deal with severe asthma, right? And, I'm, and, and over the course of the last 20 or so years I've been dealing with severe asthma, there's been about three or four times that I almost died because of my asthma. And the last time they had to innovate me, they had to stick a pipe down in my throat to put air in my lungs, and so I remember after that how it changed myself. And at the time, I was, in a, I was a minister at the time, and I was in a religious culture where they were telling you that you had to be this, you had to be that, you had to be like T.D. Jakes, you had to be like such and such, you had to be like the great prophet, whoever's, whoever, who's ever popular on Christian television right now, right? I got to the point where after all that, I didn't care about any of that. I don't even watch Christian television anymore. This is my journey. And I got to the point where 
I literally, through wrestling with God in the situations in my own life, and I'm still, and there's still moments when we still wrestle with God. I think this is ongoing, y'all. There's still a lot of ego in all of us. But I literally got to the point where I literally don't care about being somebody like whatever. All I want to be is faithful. When we get to the place when all we want to be is just faithful with what we have, God will do what God will want to do with it, whatever that is. And so here's Jacob. What happens? And then verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. I was like, my name is unimportant. What's important is, is that do you understand your name? Do you understand who you are? Then he blessed him. And I believe the blessing was, part of the blessing was, the fact that he got a new name. And the fact that God kicked him in the, in his body. He was blessed with a limp. The Bible says in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. We live in a culture that worships power. Matter of fact, y'all, in America, if I get prophetic for a moment, do you realize the word America, which comes from the explorer whose name is Amerigo Vespucci during the age of exploration and discovery, discovery, they didn't discover nothing, but you know what I'm saying. And so um, uh, America is named after the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci. Uh, Amerigo comes from the German um, Emmerich, which literally means raw, unadulterated power. We live in a culture that worships power. To the point where people will go at the power at the expense of the many. Even the Christians will seek power to control over other people's lives and destiny at the expense of many. But one of the things we learn about Yahweh is that Yahweh is not overpowering Jacob. He wounded Jacob, but he didn't overpower him. See, God will wound, bring about things. We get wounded. And sometimes we stay in the wound, but the thing is, what is the wounding for? Like, what, what can, what, how can I live now with the, the limitation? That's the whole thing with my, with the parts of me that lack power and strength. How do I use it? And so God uses that. So God blessed him with a weakness. Mm. You're talking about un-American. God blessed him with a weakness. So he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I made it through. You know, when you wrestle God. 
when you realize your life was spared for a greater purpose, something beyond yourself. And then it says, verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping. He had to limp to his brother to make things right. God, I thank you for the limp. Mm. God, I thank you for the limps of your people to remind us that we are human. And God, that you bless imperfect people. Mm. We live in a culture that tells people, religious culture, that say God can only use perfect people. That is a lie. Here's God using a man who limping. How many times you engage folk in church? Like, you try, I try to invite them to church. They pass. I can't come to church because I ain't ready yet. What? What do you mean you ain't ready yet? I got this. I got going on. I got this. What makes you think God ain't in the midst of that? What? I thought I got to meet God at church. No, no. God is already here with you. You don't meet God here. You meet God out there too. In your limp. In your frailty. In your brokenness. In your failures. In your humanity, God is wrestling you with you right then. God ain't going to let you go. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip from the animals because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. God will use the very thing we can't let go of to become a blessing. God will use the very thing we can't let go of to become a blessing. One of the things about God, a theology moment here, God is inexhaustible. What I mean by that? You may get exhausted. God can't get exhausted because God is God. So God will allow you Whatever brought you to the fight, whatever brought you to the moment, however negative energy that's in you that brings you to the, you know, you, you, you meet some people, they got so much negative energy pent in them, they can't seem to stop whatever it, whatever it is they're doing. There's some folk, there's some people in my life that I love dearly, they keep doing certain things. I'm like, are you tired yet? You know what I'm talking about? They keep making the same choices over and over again, and the energy behind it never seems to dissipate. Relationship choices, financial choices, life choices. And it seems like the well of their energy is inexhaustible. Or when I look at my own choices, there's some things that I have not exhausted yet. I'm praying that God that's the thing about wrestling with God. See, because we're human, eventually, hopefully, by the grace of God, some things will get exhausted. You'll get tired. I'll leave you with this story. There once was a young man who spent the summer at a monastery during which he had a series of conversations with an old monk. One day he asked the old monk, 
do you still wrestle with the devil? The old monk replied, nah, nah, not any longer, my son. I have grown old now, and the devil has grown old with me. The devil ain't got the strength no more. I wrestle with God. God is inexhaustible. God is inexhaustible. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you right now for your word today. God, may your people, as they wrestle with you this week.